Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. Brad Wilson, thank you for being with us again here this week, and we appreciate all of the wonderful response that we've been getting over this amazing series we're in right now with Warren Litzman called Out of Law into Grace. Such an important series, and we really are thrilled that you're enjoying it so much. Let's get right into it this week. Here's Warren. If you will, right now, take your Bible and turn to John's Gospel first chapter, and I'm going to read a very important verse, which says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's kind of what I want to base what I have to say today on, that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. When it comes to grace, I have often taken uh, the scriptures where the word grace is used and marked through them and put Jesus there because you can't separate Christ from grace. You can't separate Jesus from this awesome thing called grace. And I've never known anybody that wrote on it. And then I've read uh, everybody going all the way back to Martin Luther uh, for the modern day gospel. I've never heard anybody that could go to the depths of grace and explain it. I can't do it, and I've never read of anyone who is able to do it. And that's kind of why law people don't mess with grace. They think there's something wrong with grace. Well, what's wrong with grace is a lot of stupid people try to entangle it with what they believe and don't see that grace came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. What a glorious and marvelous understanding that is. And so I want to talk to you about today, coming into grace. It's hard for some people to come to grace. It's hard for some people to even understand what grace is. They don't know exactly what God had in mind when he gave Christ's death on the cross as the means for saving humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave Christ died on the cross that whosoever believeth in him and that death on the cross would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's kind of what throws people, the, the number one verse we claim in Christianity, John three sixteen. It kind of throws people because that doesn't fit their natural understanding. And because they don't accept that verse as a premise for what they believe or understand in all things, they kind of become stupid. Coming into grace, however, is a work of the Holy Spirit. To really come to know Christ and to know what grace is, it is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone that can teach you and help you to know this. I want to help people take their first steps into grace. I want the first step idea to be important to you because I'm going to be talking about that for several more sessions uh, when I teach. What are the first steps of coming into grace and truth? What is it you need to do first to come to that? Well, the first person we need to look at is Jesus Christ himself. Christ himself moved from law to grace. He was a great teacher of Moses' law. He told his disciples when he left this earth, don't forget the things I have taught you out of Moses' law. That's what he taught. That's what he lived. He had great problems with this because everywhere he went he was full of love and was full of grace but he still had 
preach and teach the law. You remember when the little woman was taken in adultery and brought before Christ. And Moses and his lawyers, who were the priests who brought this little woman to Christ, claiming she ought to be stoned, had thought they were giving a real test to Jesus. Jesus didn't break the law, but he did manifest grace. And what he did when he stooped and rode upon the ground, God used that in some way to either scare or at least fend off all of these people that were trying to kill this little woman. And when he looked up, they were all gone, as you know the story, and he said to the little woman, go and sin no more. He stuck by the law. Now there came a day in the Christ life when a change would have to be made. That change finally came about in a most unusual way. The change takes place in my simple understanding in the 12th chapter of John. It's in John's 12th chapter where Jesus of Nazareth came face to face with the issue that the law no longer was the answer to people's needs or would help them. Previous to the events that took place on Palm Sunday in John 12, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Now this was an awesome thing. Christ had already raised a couple of others from the dead, but that was kind of a hidden thing in more or less secrecy. Not everybody was there. Not everybody saw it. Not everybody knew the persons who were raised from the dead. But when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it was a different matter altogether. All of a sudden, the world came in contact with Jesus and his miraculous, wonderful power to overcome death and bring resurrection to a dead life. When he did this, the whole world knew about it, and even the chief priests and the scribes and the elders in Romanism said that we're going to have to follow him or he's going to swallow us up. Well, they did. And come Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on an ass, which was prophesied back in Zechariah, the ninth chapter, I believe, in about the ninth verse, that this would happen to him, that this is what he would do. He would come on an ass's coat. And as he did this, the whole city lined up to see him. They waved palm limbs in his pathway and overshadowed him with praises and great voice. The end result was when he got settled wherever he was to be settled that day, you know what happened? He had a change of mind that he had never had anywhere in his 33 and a half years of life on this earth. He looked at this great multitude of people and he said in John 12 and 24, except the corn of wheat, I am the corn of wheat. Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, except I die, I'm alone. I stand alone. But if I die, I bring forth much fruit. Now, these just seem to be casual words to people who read John's gospel. But to me, they are the most powerful words in the life of one who had forsaken all to come and be a savior to mankind, who was willing to give his life in God's plan. But now the day came when he had to do something about it. The hour was at hand. The great hour was at hand for his purpose of being on this earth. And that was that he died. Well, this was a contrary message to Judaism 
because Judaism and all the preachers of that day was looking to Jesus to be the force and power that would cause the kingdom message to flourish and grow. That's the way Jesus is generally used today. We'd have to say that about 90% of Christian preachers today still preach some law and think they are obligated to do it and love to do it, in fact, because that gives them a certain power to preach the law. But that great number of people have not accounted the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to its ultimate purpose. And so Jesus said, until I die, I am alone. What did he mean by that? He meant that I have built no body of Christ. I have built no church. I stand alone. He also meant that it's been my ministry. This has not been the thing that God sent me to do when I came on this earth. He sent me here to be his lamb for sinners slain. And he said, until I die, I'm alone. In other words, he is not doing the work that God gave him to do until he dies on the cross. So he said, I stand alone. I stand alone. How awesome that is. How penetrating that is to me that sometimes we, I as a minister, maybe you as a believer, think we can do something within ourselves. Think that we have the power to do something within ourselves, that God has given us power to do great and mighty things. But the facts are, even Jesus himself knew that the power which he had been given was not the ultimate final answer. The answer was death. So I want to talk to you about how Jesus came into perfect grace. You see, I've already said how he manifested grace in his earthly walk, like he told the little woman under the law, to go and sin no more. He had the power to do that. But that was just a slight use of grace. That was not full grace that comes from the death of Christ on the cross. And so when he dies on the cross, we're going to have full, perfect grace where the human being within himself can do nothing to please God within himself. Within himself, he can do nothing to please God. So Jesus says, until I die on the cross, I'm alone. But when I die, I will bring forth much fruit. How liberating that is, that the Christ who brings forth fruit has based it on his death. Now, the theme of what I'm talking about in this lesson and several more I'm going to give on this subject, the theme is how Jesus came or how a believer comes into grace. What is the first point to be made on coming into grace? Because you see, if I would say 90% of those in Christendom believe some part of the law as a means of pleasing God, then I've got to be very explicit about what I have to say concerning coming into grace. What is the first most important step you take coming into grace? Well, it's like this. That first step is death. Jesus said, until I die, I'm alone. I have done nothing in God's plan that I was sent to the earth to do. But when I die, I'll bring forth much fruit. You see, dear friends, that was his first step. That was his first step to get the great foundational truth about God out. And he said it to the biggest crowd. He said it to the multitude who had come to honor and praise him for raising Lazarus from the dead. He is saved. 
that this is not the answer. The raising of Lazarus is not the answer. The raising of the dead is not the answer. The raising of sick people to health is not the answer. Poor people to prosperity, that's not the answer. The answer is death. Now you see, when I talk like that, people just don't have an understanding of it. It's one thing for Jesus to die on the cross, and it's another thing for you and I to die. But let's put it very simply. When Jesus died on the cross, you died with him. Every person listening to me died in spirit when Christ died on the cross. Every person in your neighborhood died in spirit when Christ died on the cross. The evil people in our world today died in spirit when Jesus died on that cross. Every demonic person in our world today died in spiritual life when Jesus died on that cross because the death of Jesus was not just to save us but was to cleanse us once and for all from Adam's sin from the old sin nature that came through the disobedience of Adam. That's the sin that died on the cross, and that's the sin that humanity cannot commit anymore. Isn't that good news? That's an important part of the liberating secret. That's something that cannot be done again. It's done once and for all. The death of Jesus Christ included your death to the sin nature that human beings have when they're birthed into this world. So the first step in grace is to know how it come about. It comes about through the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus had to take that step and acknowledge that truth above any other truth. He had say, I stand alone. I have not done what I'm supposed to do until I die. But let's move on. Jesus of Nazareth had to be willing in his death to lose his past life, to lose everything he had done when he came to this earth. You see, we don't know much about Jesus in his early years. At the age of 12, we have a word from him in the temple when he sort of rebukes Adam, or uh, his mother, Mary, and Joseph, his stepfather. But from then on to the age of approximately 30, we have nothing concerning him that is real, that comes right from God's word because it doesn't give that to us. He's in training. He is learning. He is coming to knowledge. Uh, I get a hold of books every once in a while from somebody who thinks that they know what Jesus did from the age of 12 to the age of 30, but they have nothing to base it on but supposition and history of that day and the culture that he lived in, all of which is not the word of God. So the second step that Jesus had to take coming into grace and bringing this grace to us out of the cross was the fact of his past. His old way of doing things under the law had to change. Now I'm going to make some hard statements to you. Nobody ever comes into full grace keeping any part of the law. Why is that? 
Why would I make such a hard statement as that? Because every one of you got good preachers who are throwing some law at you, like saying if you don't come to Wednesday night meeting, you, you fail God and you, you may not make it to heaven. But let me tell you, there are important things you need to know about grace. And one important thing is that grace doesn't mix with law. At least two times in Paul's epistles, he makes the statement that the law is dissolved. The law is stripped of its power. The law no longer exists. These are words that Paul would use in his epistle. He lets it be known that the law no longer is of essence in Christianity. Now that's kind of hard on people because I've had more than one of my preacher friends to say, well, I couldn't preach to these people if I didn't throw some law on them. They wouldn't give money and I couldn't build my buildings and I couldn't get enough people out to church. You see, that's law. That's the deep root of the law that you think you can do nothing within yourself. But if you're taking the first step into grace with Jesus Christ, you're going to have to die to the past. You're going to have to die to the law. You're going to have to say, I stand alone if I don't accept the death of Jesus as my death. How important that is. So Christ departed from his old way of doing things. In order for him to enter into the new life of resurrection, he had to leave the message behind that there is nothing I do within myself that makes the difference. The difference is when I give myself. What this does is introduce to us another step into grace. That it is never what you do that's most important to God. It's who you are. What did the cross do for Jesus? The cross made it possible for God to open the door that Christ could be the life of every human being. You got that? The cross opened the door so that God could be Father to every human being. The cross opened the door so that every human being, regardless of race, creed, color, or whatever, could be one with Christ and God's little offspring because of that death on the cross. See how important that is? You have to leave your old way of living to enter the new. So let me tell you this. Death life that came from Adam. For all men are dead in their trespasses and sins because of Adam. Death life from Adam has been overcome by resurrection life from Jesus Christ. You have to get that in your mind. You have resurrection life now. We had a lady in a meeting here a few days ago who had just discovered that she had eternal life in her. And she said, all of a sudden, the burdens and trials of this world have just floated away from me. I'm eternal. She's right. The real her has been eternal ever since she accepted Jesus as her Savior. And that's the way it is with every one of you who hear me now. You have eternal life in you. It's not going to be when you die. It's not going to happen when God gets ready. It already has. That's what the death of Jesus Christ did. It killed out the old and made possible for the news. So the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior, you enter into eternal life. Now you see, we don't know much about that. Sad to say, many of the, the isms of this world 
have taken up that point there and say, well, we have the answer to it. We can promise you uh, that you'll come back in another form. We can promise you that we have a special resurrection that belongs to our doctrine and our church. They'll all have some foolish answer. But the simple facts are resurrection comes out of you accepting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment you do it, you have this as your blessing and that's your prosperity. Praise God. Well, Jesus had to take a step out of the kingdom into grace. Now let me tell you, you understand what the kingdom is? The kingdom was a message that Jesus gave in his day. Back in Matthew's gospel, uh, chapters 5, 6, 7, and so forth, he started it by saying, go forth preaching that the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth, is going to take place. And I'm here to enforce it. I'm here to preach it. And I want you to go forth preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he told them for three Almost three and a half years, Jesus preached that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is, there's going to be heaven on earth. There's no heaven of heavens at that time. There's only heaven on earth. That's what everybody wanted. That's prosperity. That's new home. That's new car. That's best clothes. That's best food you can find. That's heaven on earth. That was the kingdom message. Would you believe it? Out of the 90% of preachers that still preach law, they still are tainted with that kingdom message. In fact, here in my city, there's any number of groups that call themselves kingdom churches. And there's even a denomination of that, I think, an uh, institutional thing, an organization of it. You talk about stupidity. Not knowing the word of God makes people stupid. They do all kinds of stupid things. But you know what? They get a following. They get a huge crowd when they say, if you get faith, if you believe what I'm saying here, you'll get a new car. You'll get a healthy body. You'll get the desires of your heart. And God is able to do those things. Nobody doubts that. But that's a part of a message that Jesus had to leave. You see, when Jesus mentioned death one day, Peter was studying. And forced the Lord to say, get thee behind me, Satan, for thy savest or knoweth not the things that be of God. Jesus had to rebuke him because Peter thought that the king for the kingdom was there. Jesus was the king for the kingdom. And he can't die. If he dies, what do we got left? Nothing. So Jesus had to leave the kingdom message. Death on the cross became more important. The dying seed is what would bring forth great fruit. The death of human beings spiritually on the cross with Jesus, Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old life, our old man, is crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You see how important that is? If you don't have Paul's message, you don't have the truth. Because the truth is a person. And that person can't be way up there somewhere. In Paul's message, he said he's in you. He's in you. Christ is in you. So the truth is in you. You've got to come to it. You've got to be alarmed by it. You've got to do something about it. Or all the days on this earth you can be in religion and see great signs, wonders, and miracles, but stand alone. 
as Jesus said on Palm Sunday, I stand alone. I bear no fruit because I haven't died. So you've got to get out of the kingdom message. Now that hurts. Some of my succeeding messages is going to be in that area. How, how does a believer get out of this thing that has engulfed us in religion to make us think that without Christ we can do something? Without Christ in us is what I mean. Can you do anything? Because it is Christ in us that is our hope of glory and not something else. Well, the next step Jesus took was that he fulfilled prophecy. It was said in the scriptures that his death would be the death of humanity and his resurrection would be the life of humanity. You know something? When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you became a participant in the fulfillment of the oldest truth there is in this Bible. I've said it a lot of times. I have to say it again. It's the scriptures in Ephesians 1 and 4, according as he has chosen us in Christ before the creation of this world. It's 1 Peter 1 and 20 to 23, where Peter says, before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. The minute you are saved, that's the two great aspects of grace that take place. In fact, I've often called these two verses of Scripture, Ephesians 1 and 4 and 1 Peter 2 and uh, 1 Peter 1 and 20 as the pillars, the foundation pillars for grace. How in the world could you still need the law put upon you if you're placed in Christ? 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says that by the Holy Spirit are we all baptized, are placed into one body, which is Christ. How do you see we got to do something there? How do you see we are effective there? We're not. We're poor, lost, hell-bound sinners. And God's grace does the work. Trusting Him, believing in Him, you get what it is He promised. And that's the cross. That's the second thing that happens to you. The moment you invite Jesus to come into your life, he comes bringing the cross to show you, yes, I can accept you now because I died that you might be acceptable to God. Isn't that wonderful? You, you've got to accept my death to be acceptable to God. You can't just kneel at an altar or shake a preacher's hand and say, yeah, I got saved. I joined the church. I'm saved. You can't do that. You've got to have this idea that he died on the cross and that's what saves me. That's my salvation. We're going to have to stop right here, but let me tell you, we'll pick up next week right where we left off here with Warren Litzman and this great study about out of law into grace. So important. And we really hope you're enjoying it. And to those of you who have let us know that you are, we really appreciate it. Now, please go to our website, christ-life.org, christ-life.org. Read all about us. Go to the bookstore. Get some of these great teachings that Warren left behind. I want to thank Robbie Litzman. She allows us to go into the archives each week to bring you these great messages. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast reports. And this program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.